I think we can all agree that learning is more fun when you do it with friends, right? So if one of your summer goals is to learn more about the science of reading and how to incorporate it into your classroom, then let me invite you to join our free summer book study. During the month of June, we are gonna be hosting a free book study for teachers just like you, where we are gonna work our way through the book, Shifting the Balance, Six Ways to Bring the Science of Reading into Your Upper Elementary Classroom. And we'd love to have you join us. We're gonna read one chapter a week and inside our book study Facebook group, you're gonna get to participate in things like our weekly Facebook Live, discussion posts, you're gonna get some really awesome freebies and the chance to win some stellar prizes. All of this is going to help you align your instruction with the science of reading next year. It's gonna be fun. And even if you don't think you'll have time to read every single chapter, still consider joining. You're gonna get a lot out of the group even if you don't have time to read the entire text. So I hope to see you this summer where we can all learn alongside each other. You can sign up at stellarteacher.com slash bookstudy. That's all one word, stellarteacher.com slash bookstudy. And I'll see you inside our group. You're listening to episode number 73 of the Stellar Teacher Podcast. Teaching literacy is tough, but with the right tools, you can be not only good, but great. Amazing. I'm talking off the charts impactful. Hey, I'm Sarah Marie, a literacy specialist with over a decade of experience working as a classroom teacher and school administrator. Tune in each week to this podcast to hear no fluff lesson ideas and strategies that will help you feel confident in your abilities to truly grow your students as readers. Are you ready? Let's dig in. Hey friends, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Marie. And if you are new, thank you so much for joining me. And if you have been listening for a while, thank you again for tuning in. I love connecting with you guys through this platform. And I am super excited about the next two episodes because I kind of feel like I'm ahead of myself. I am not necessarily a procrastinator. I like to work and get things done and ahead of time. And I definitely like to be places on time. But I also feel like I have some last minute tendencies. And while I always have the best of intentions of being, you know, planned out far ahead of time and batched ahead of time, the reality of it is there's just a lot going on. And sometimes I'm not as far ahead as I would like. But I am feeling a little bit ahead because April, I'm sure as you know, is National Poetry Month. And I know that during that month, a lot of teachers will use that month for their reading and writing poetry unit. And I'm going to talk about poetry for the next two podcast episodes. So I kind of feel good that I'm, you know, at least delivering you content about poetry for the next two weeks. So we're going to be doing a two-part series, and I am going to be breaking down what I call a poem of the week routine, and it is going to help your students boost their comprehension and fluency in relation to poetry. And if you have been listening to my podcast this year, back in January, I did an entire episode where I talk all about the importance of high-impact routines, and this would be an example of it. It is a routine that is going to take just a few minutes of your instructional day, but those few minutes that you spend doing Poem of the Week is really going to have a huge benefit for your students when it comes to reading. So today, I am going to kind of break down the poem of the week routine. And this is definitely a routine that you can do with any poem. You don't need any resources for it. I do have a poem of the week resource 
That is part of the Stellar Teacher Reading Membership, and it's also in the Teachers Pay Teachers store. So if you're like, I want to save all of the time, we will link to that at the end. But just know that everything I talk about in this podcast episode is really something that you can do with your students with any poem you find on the internet, any poem you have in the library. So it is super simple for you to get started with. So like I said, this week, I'm going to talk about kind of what poem of the week is and specifically talk through the comprehension side of it. And then next week, I will dig into the fluency side of it. And the teachers in the Stellar Teacher Reading Membership have loved this routine, using it with their students. And I did something very, very similar with my students. It wasn't as formal, obviously, when I was in the classroom, but it's the same type of thing. And my students always loved it as well. So I'm excited to share it with you today. So we're going to go ahead and jump right in. So poem of the week is exactly what it sounds like. You are going to find a poem And you are going to spend an entire week reading the poem, studying the poem, and really breaking it down. And I like taking a poem and spreading it out over the course of a week because poetry is fun for students to read. I think students generally enjoy it, but it's also kind of a complex genre to understand. It requires a lot of inferential thinking because poems are so short. Authors are oftentimes limited with words. And there's a lot of like imagery in there. It can take students kind of a while to actually understand the deeper meaning. And not that the only reason why we should do something is to benefit students on standardized tests, but I know a lot of students will be tested on a poem and understanding a poem on their end of year exam. And if we can give them tools that basically train them and teach them how repeated readings and things we should pay attention to when we're reading poetry just because it's going to help our own personal enjoyment, but it also helps them on a test. I think that's kind of like a win-win. So I think when we can take a poem, break it down, read it every single day, you know, look at one small part, it is not overwhelming because it's not like all of a sudden the first time we read it, we have to get to the, you know, identifying the theme and making inferences about the speaker. We just have to read it the first time. So anyways, poem of the week is simply picking a poem, any poem you want, and reading it and studying it for the entire week. And like I said, I'm going to break down the comprehension side of it, but I want to give a little sort of like back information on the routine and how it helps students and whatnot. So if you want to do poem of the week with your students, all you need to do is find a poem and then figure out some way to display it to them. So, you know, you could get a poem on the internet if you want to find a poem that is connected to like a specific science or social studies topic or season or a topic that your students are really interested in, you know, sports or music or anything that is appealing or that you've been talking about, you can find a poem. You could get a poem from an anthology in your library and type it up and put it on an anchor chart. You could put it on a PowerPoint so your students could see it. You could copy it, give them all a copy. You just need to have some way for your students to be able to read and see the poem. And so that's kind of all the prep work that is involved. I have a list. I'm not going to list them off here on the podcast, but in the show notes, I have a list of maybe six or seven of my favorite poem anthologies for upper elementary that they just have a variety of poem types and they're fun poems for students to read. So if you're looking for some new anthologies to add to your poetry collection, definitely check out the show notes because I'll have those listed out and you can pull any poem from there. Like I said, I have this resource that is prepped and ready for you to print. But if you are not interested in adding a new resource to your collection, then definitely find a poem and you can still do all of these activities that we're going to talk about. And there are so many benefits for students, like reading poetry provides so many benefits to students. And I think so often we save poetry till the end because, you know, April's National Poetry Month. I think sometimes we give a lot more attention to fiction and nonfiction. And so those things get taught in the year. Obviously, when we think about testing, poetry is one small part of the standardized test, whereas the other genres carry a little bit more weight. 
And so I think, unfortunately, as teachers, we don't introduce poetry soon enough to our students. So this is a routine that I would definitely encourage you to start now, but I would also encourage you to think about how could you incorporate poem of the week with your students next year when you're starting the year. And again, there's so many benefits that reading poetry has for students. One, it helps with their fluency, and I'm going to talk more in depth about this next week. But reading poetry gives students so many opportunities to work on their phrasing and their expression. And since poems are typically short, it's really easy for students to reread and practice, you know, reading the same text over and over again, which helps with their fluency. Reading poetry can also be used as a really effective tool to help build students' background knowledge in a quick way. If you're looking for a really easy way to build background knowledge or even do like an anticipatory set or introduction for your other subject areas, find a poem. I know John, I think it's Saizka is how you say his last name, but he has an entire book of, I think it's called Science Verse, and they're poems that are on science topics. And, you know, you could read one of those poems before your science lesson, and it gets students, you know, asking questions, making connections. It warms up their brain for that topic. And so poetry can be a way that you can build background knowledge for other subjects. I think poetry can also be such a great way to engage and spark interest with our reluctant readers. Or with, you know, even our students that love reading. Again, because there is such a wide range of the types of poems and the topics of poems, you can find a poem that is written pretty much just about anything. You know, you can find poems that are fun, that are silly, that are creative, that are sad, that are emotional, that are dark, that are deep, that are written about holidays and different countries and traveling and sports and families and celebrations and things that are important to our students. And so, I think poetry is a really easy way to find a text that will appeal to our students with their interests. And of course, the more interested our students are in reading, the more likely they are to become lifelong readers, which is what we want. And then poetry is another really great way to help students build their inferential thinking skills. I think making inferences is one of the most critical reading skills, you know, our students need. And poetry really does require students to make inferences in order for them to understand it, because oftentimes, you know, if poems are written in a specific style, you know, authors are limited by the number of words, the type of words, the rhyme scheme, the syllables, the details they can include. And so students have to spend a lot of time breaking down the words, breaking down the author's word choice, and really thinking about, you know, why did they choose this here? You know, what are they trying to communicate through this five-line poem? And they really have to dig deep into the poem with their inferential thinking. And so if you do poem of the week every single week throughout the year, you are giving your students weekly opportunities to naturally build their inferential thinking, which is just a win. So that is kind of the benefits of why I think you should do poem of the week with your students. Plus, it's really easy for teachers to prep and it's really easy for students as well. So Poem of the week has, you know, if you want to focus on comprehension, every day I assign a theme or kind of a focus area for what you want to talk about and discuss with your students. And, you know, there's tons of ways you can do it. You could also shorten it and do poem of the week and really only do it maybe three days a week or combine some of these days or, you know, spread it out over the course of a month if you don't have time. So know that I outline these sort of like focuses for the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, but you can adjust and modify according to your students' needs. And I always encourage teachers to use the ideas that I share on this podcast in a way that is going to benefit your students. Obviously, your students are going to be different than how mine were and any other teachers out there. And so modify this routine to make it work for your students. But here are kind of like the five main things that I would encourage you to focus on throughout the week when you're reading poems. The first thing that, you know, every day you want to read the poem with your students, and that's going to help with their understanding, their repeated readings, their fluency, 
And so after you read the poem on Monday, the goal would be to basically, you know, focus on identifying the basic elements of poetry. And this is really going to help students just develop a very, very basic understanding of what is happening in the poem, which, you know, can be challenging. But in order for our students to really dig deep and to be able to eventually get to the point where they can summarize the poem and identify the theme or consider their speaker's point of view, they have to be able to make sure that they actually understand it. So on Monday, simply talk about kind of like those really basic elements of poetry. And some of the things I even like to have students do is we count the number of stanzas and the number of lines that can even help just becoming familiar with like the academic vocabulary connected to poetry. We see if there is a rhyme scheme or if there are any repeated words. We identify who or what, which I think is really important for students to understand that sometimes the speaker in a poem could be an object. It's not always a person, but identify who or what is the speaker. And I think this is really important because I think there is confusion around the difference between the speaker and the poet and, you know, the voice that we hear. And so helping students understand that the speaker is either the person or the object that is basically saying the words of the poem as you hear them. The poet is the person that wrote the words, but they're writing with a specific speaker in mind. So making sure that they are clear on who or what the speaker is, and then being able to even identify the subject or the topic of the poem. So that way they can connect it to, okay, this is all about sports. This is all about a birthday. This is all about the season of autumn, you know, turning into winter, whatever it is, making sure that they have a clear idea so that way their brain starts to think about that subject and that topic. And then I also like to have them on Monday, you know, as we're going through all of these things and you can have students write these things down. You could have a discussion about this. You could have them jot them down on a post-it note and put the post-it in their journal, whatever the easiest way is. But I also like to have students on this very first day really think about the mood of the poem And how does reading the poem make them feel as a reader? And I like to give them an opportunity to really evaluate, did you enjoy reading the poem? You know, and have them explain why or why not. I think our students feel a lot more invested in their reading if they can articulate if this is a text that they, you know, enjoyed or didn't enjoy reading, even if it's something that they don't enjoy, if they have that opportunity to say, yeah, I don't like this. And here's the reasons why, at least they can get that off their chest before you jump into, you know, digging deep into the poem. So that's kind of like the final thing that we talk about on Monday. So by the end of the day on Monday, they at least know the speaker, they know the subject, and they've been able to articulate how the poem makes them feel. And then they've also even just identified some of the basic, is there a rhyme scheme, repeated words, stanzas, lines, again, those key academic vocabulary words connected to poetry. So On Tuesday, you're going to have students reread the poem again. Every day, they're going to read the poem. But on Tuesday, we focus specifically on analyzing word choice. And again, like I said, word choice is such an important part of poetry. Authors are usually very limited with words, especially if it is a type of poem, you know, like a haiku, or if they're using a specific rhyme scheme, or if it's an acrostic poem. You know, sometimes there are limitations that make the authors have to get really creative with their words. Or if it's like a concrete or shape poem, authors have to position their words in a certain way. And I think it's important to remind students that no matter what type of poem it is, you want to think really critically about the words that the author selected. And so we spend an entire day digging into those specific word choice. And It can be as long or as in-depth as you want, and a lot of it is going to depend on the type of poem, but, you know, you can ask students to pay attention to, you know, why do you think the author included this specific word? And maybe it's a word that matches the rhyme scheme. Maybe it is a repeated word. 
you know, maybe it's a word that helps with a comparison or a description. You can ask students to pay attention to, you know, why did the author include this specific line? Why did the author include this specific stanza? You know, what do you think the author wants us to understand? If it is like a concrete or a shape poem where the poem takes on the shape of the topic or the subject, you can ask students to pay attention. You know, why did the author position the words in this specific way? You know, what do they want you to think about? If there's bold or italicized words or capitalized words, you know, ask students to pay attention to that. A lot of times in poetry, punctuation and capitalization rules are thrown out the window. And I think it's important to highlight that to students and say, okay, why do you think the author did that? You know, why did they put a period here and nowhere else? Why is this word all capitalized? Why is this word not capitalized? And really, you know, we want them to kind of like think like detectives. They're looking for specific clues that are going to help them understand more about the author, the speaker, the subject, and really just dig into the poem. So on Tuesday, pick two or three words or lines or things that are specific to the poem in terms of like vocabulary and word placement, and then just dig into those, ask questions, let students share their opinions. And I think, again, the important thing with poetry is that there's not always a right answer. And so I think it's a great opportunity for students to share their thinking and their opinions and their interpretations without having to worry about, did I get that that question right? So basically Tuesday, you're going to have a conversation all about word choice and why the author chose specific words. And then on Wednesday, the focus is going to be helping students to really visualize the poem. So they know the basic speaker and the topic. They've paid attention to the words. So now on Wednesday, we want them to start to create this like mental image of what is happening in the poem. Sometimes poems are, you know, sequential and they tell a story, like a narrative. Sometimes they're just describing a scene. And so I think having students start to think through, it's like, okay, is the speaker experiencing something? Are they just describing something? You know, what is happening here? And we want them to look for adjectives. We want them to look for, you know, pieces of figurative language, examples of imagery, things that the author included that really help them feel like they are the speaker or that they see what is happening in the poem. So a couple of things that I typically discuss with students or that you could discuss with students are asking students, if you were the speaker, that's the person, you know, reading the poem or saying the poem, what would you see? What would you hear? What would you feel? What would you smell? And all of these questions right here are going to require some element of inferential thinking because more than likely, the author is not going to state that information. So students have to think about, okay, if I was in this poem, if I was in this setting, what are some things I would hear? Even if the author didn't include sound words or a description of what they would hear, you know, being able to put themselves kind of in that setting will really help with the visualization. I like to have students identify the one single line that really helped them visualize the setting of the poem. And I think when we limit telling students pick just one line That's going to force them to kind of pay attention. It's like, okay, why is this line more important than the other line? What words in this line helped me visualize the poem more than any other line? So it kind of just forces them to, I don't know, key into the poem a little bit more. Students can list out whether it's figurative language or adjectives or any word that can underline the words that really help them create a mental image. If you have students that enjoy drawing, you could have them create an image, you know, create a picture that helps them you know, visualize the setting. If it is a poem that has a beginning, middle, and end, and it's telling a story, they could sketch out what happens in the beginning, middle, and end. I always love to have students draw, but I think it's important to keep in mind that not every student is an artist. And sometimes when we ask students to create illustrations or to draw, 
it can be overwhelming to them or it can also be discouraging if it's something they don't like. So kind of an alternative or something that you could consider doing in addition to or as an alternative to drawing is a strategy that I call draw label caption. And with this, students still have to draw an illustration, but they get to add labels and then they get to add a caption. And I think that can be really helpful for the student who gets overwhelmed by, I'm not a good artist. And they spend, you know, 15 minutes trying to draw a person when the activity is over and they've got nothing. But if they aren't a good artist, they can draw that stick person and they can label what it is and they can draw whatever next to it and label. So that way they don't have to worry about their artistic skills and they can still get their ideas down on paper. And then adding the caption just gives them that one more opportunity to communicate their ideas. So you can always have students illustrate or do a draw label caption on Wednesday after you have spent some time discussing, you know, what they see in the poem. And then Thursday, this is the big heavy duty day. This is where now we are digging deep into the poem and really applying that inferential thinking, the critical thinking. Students are going to really think about the speaker, but also the speaker's specific point of view, their perspective, their opinion. They're going to identify the theme. They're going to summarize the poem. You know, these are kind of the skills, again, not that I want to say we only do this for test prep, but these are the types of questions that students will get asked about a poem on a test. And I think sometimes when we start with these questions and we jump into poetry, going straight to summarize the poem, find the theme, identify the speaker's point of view, that's overwhelming because we haven't spent enough time with the poem. But by Thursday, students have read it at least four times. They've visualized it. They've analyzed the words. They've identified the basic elements. So by Thursday, they should be ready to dig deep into the poem. And so depending on how familiar your students are with poems or how complex it is, maybe you don't do all of these things. Maybe you just focus on theme. Maybe you just focus on summary. Maybe you just focus on identifying the speaker's perspective and making inferences. But all of those things would be a great sort of focus for Thursday when you're really trying to dig deep into the poem. So a couple questions or prompts that you could ask your students to do is to identify what is one thing the poet tells you about the speaker. So they have to find specific evidence in the text, you know, something that the poet directly tells them. And then what is one thing you can infer about the speaker? You know, something that the poet does not directly tell you, but you have evidence to believe that to be true. And I think that's really important to notice the difference between what does the text actually tell you and what can you infer from it? And then using that information to be able to describe the speaker's point of view. And when we're talking about the speaker's point of view in poetry, we're asking students to identify, you know, how does this speaker feel about the subject? How do they feel about their current situation? How do they feel about their experience in the poem? And again, that whole thing right there, all of those questions require students to do inferential thinking. So they have to be able to have a very basic understanding of the poem, you know, and understanding the the subject, the speaker, you know, looking for words, you know, put themselves in their situation. So that's why the visualization is so important. In addition to identifying the speaker's point of view, getting students to be able to identify a possible theme for the poem. And I think identifying themes in stories is challenging. Identifying themes for poems, I think, can be even more challenging. So I think understanding that this is really complicated and, you know, helping students, you might have to provide some guidance for this specifically. But I think also understanding that there isn't necessarily a right or wrong answer here. You know, when I have students think about theme for poems, I have students think about, you know, who would you recommend this poem to and why? Like, who would benefit from reading this poem? And sometimes if they can even think about who they'd recommend this poem to and explain why, that can help them come up with the theme. You know, I want to share this poem with my grandma because she loves fall. 
And this poem is all about the changing of the seasons of fall. Okay, so changing of seasons would be the theme of the poem, something like that. So if you can sort of scaffold their ability to identify the theme by asking some of those like supportive questions that can help. And then getting students to summarize the poem. And I don't necessarily have, I know I've shared, you know, strategies for summarizing fiction and nonfiction and have kind of like acronyms to help with those. I don't have any specific like strategy to help summarize. I think in general, when students are summarizing the poem, if they can articulate the speaker, the subject, and if they can share the key details, sort of like what is happening in the poem, and if they can share the theme and incorporate those things into their summary, they will have captured the main key points of the poem. And so as you can see, all of these skills are really like higher level skills for students, you know, making inferences about the speaker, identifying themes, summarizing, depending how familiar your students are with poetry. You might not want to do all three on the same day. You might want to break them up. You might want to rotate throughout the weeks, which ones you focus on. But I think focusing on all of those sort of like elements and big skills will help students understand poetry on a deeper level. And I've talked about this before, but we also want to think about how Doing small things like this, like having students identify a speaker's point of view or the theme of a poem, is going to strengthen their ability to apply those same skills to longer, more complex texts. Poems are short. I wouldn't say they're necessarily always easy to understand, but I think having a shorter text is always less overwhelming for students. And so I think like if they can feel confident that they can summarize a poem, they're going to feel a little more confident in their ability to summarize a text. So just know that your work that you do with your students with poems will help them just feel more confident with reading and understanding other texts as well. So Monday through Thursday, we are simply looking at the poem and digging deep into the poem. So then on Friday, the very last activity that you can do is to compare and contrast this poem, the poem of the week, with either another poem or with prose, another text, some other text on the same subject, the same topic, something that has a similarity. And, you know, I think comparing and contrasting, I know this is a huge skill for our fifth graders. I even know in fourth grade, you know, we introduced the paired text where students are comparing two texts on the same topic. But even if you are not a fourth or fifth grade teacher, comparing and contrasting is a great skill to boost critical thinking. You know, students have to find similarities. The author isn't going to tell them. There is nobody saying, here's the similarities and the differences. So they have to come up with those things on their own, which again, is going to require some critical thinking skills. And so you can find any text, any poem, anything that basically would require the students to think about how is this poem similar to another text? And, you know, just even asking questions, you know, what did you learn from the poem? What did you learn from the other text? In what ways are the two texts similar? In what ways are they different? You know, what was the author's purpose for writing each text? And then even asking students, which one did you enjoy reading the most? And have them explain. And just spending some time, you know, practicing this idea that poetry is like any other text. And we can compare and contrast, you know, the characters in poems to the characters in other texts. We can compare the themes in poems to the themes in other texts. And I think just giving students an opportunity to do that and using Poem of the Week is a great way because if you do this every week, every week students have that opportunity to practice comparing and contrasting a poem with something else. So that is poem of the week in a nutshell. I feel like I could take each of these days and really dig deep into all of them. But if you have specific questions about poem of the week in general or one of the specific days or how to modify this with your students, don't hesitate to reach out to me on Instagram at The Stellar Teacher Company. I love answering y'all's questions and would love to help you figure out a way that you can make this routine work with your students. Like I said, we have a resource that is literally a print and go. It has all of the days and poems and texts and prompts ready for you. 
But you can also use everything I shared with any poem that you can find in a text or on the internet. So I hope that you are ready to implement Poem of the Week in your classroom, but I also hope that you are excited to implement Poem of the Week in your classroom. You know, if you even just had five minutes a day, you could make this routine work with your students. And so I would love to hear if this is something that you are going to try with your students. Definitely let me know and be sure that you tune in to the podcast next week because I will be talking about, again, Poem of the Week, uh, but with a fluency focus. So when we're talking about fluency, there is a whole other set of activities that you can do in addition to these comprehension activities or in place of, or you could combine them. But I have a whole set of activities for each day of the week that are connected to fluency. So definitely tune in next week to hear more about that. And of course, as always, thank you for joining me and have a stellar week, my friends. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Stellar Teacher Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are finding value in this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would follow along and leave a five-star positive review. This helps me spread the word to more and more teachers just like you. And don't forget to join me over on Instagram at the Stellar Teacher Company. You can always find the links and resources from this episode in the show notes at stellarteacher.com. I'll see you back here next week.